Welcome to Your Voice Must Be Heard. This is a podcast where we share stories strategically in order to encourage you, elevate your mindset, and enrich your life by the power of divine wisdom. I'm your host, Marquita McGee. Today in this episode, we get to dive deep into a well of wisdom from a father's perspective. Our guest is also a great leader, a great teacher. He's highly intelligent, naturally poetic and creative. He's funny, yet meticulous with life. I'd like to welcome Eric McGee. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You landed on thick, but okay. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, it is such an honor to be your wife and to witness you walk out your calling, your purpose as a strong man of God, as my ordained husband, as a intentionally and purposeful father, as a minister of the gospel, you are a man of integrity in the home, in the workplace, among family and friends. And what people see is what they get, the true authentic you. And it is such a treasure to me. And I want to share this with the world. So I, I'm so honored to welcome you here, my king, Eric Montumigi. <laughs> Thank you. God's blessing to me. Yes. (laughs) I just love the talks we have. I feel like I learn something from you every day. That's the teacher inside of you. I mean, it's, yeah, we get to crack open this wisdom today. So first question I wanted to ask you, or as we lead into the conversation, some parts of society is trying to get rid of the role of a father. What are your thoughts about that? Well. I think that society is matching what's happening in the spirit. And so spiritually, we have a lot of people that are walking away from their heavenly father. And there's a lot of apostasy. There's uh, we can just look at America and our culture here. And we know that we have we were founded on Christian values, Christian beliefs, and those values permeated society. And it was just those values were accepted. but as we have gotten away from the Father, gotten away from the Bible, gotten away from the things of God, that has had a a mirror effect in the natural. And so the father in a household, the natural father, represents a symbolic of a heavenly father. Mm. And so a heavenly father is providing protection, providing uh, direction and discipline. And so if a heavenly father is doing that, that's also mirrored in a natural as in a natural father. So a natural father provides those things in the family. And we have an epidemic of fatherlessness and absent fathers in the home and and a destruction of family where uh, the male is not uh, physically with um, the mother and the children. And as a result, we see negative effects permeating the family. We see negative effects permeating the children. And if you take any statistic, any category in families where a father is not there, those negative values go down. And so you can look at any area of life, whether it be in education, whether it be in economics, uh, whether it be even in the government, um, when we have a lack of direction, there's, there's a negative effect that takes place. So what we see in this attack on the family, it mirrors, it correlates to people walking away from our Heavenly Father. Mm. What advice do you have for family units that are fatherless, rather it be through parents got a divorce or the father's passed away or um, they're just absent for whatever reason? What advice do you have for those uh, family units that are trying to do it the best that they can? That is a difficult one um, because it really isn't a substitute. Um, I even looked at at studies where a father is in the home, but the father is abusive. Mm. (laughs) And do you know the outcome for those children and families where the father is abusive, but he's there is still higher than families that the father is absent? Wow. It's hard to replace that. So I would advise any woman that's going through that, um, any family that's that's going through um, an absent father to you got to look at that role that he plays. A father is a nurturer. 
uh, well, the mother is the nurturer, but the father is the provider. The father uh, provides protection. He provides guidance. Those families should seek males in the community and their family that can serve that role, especially among the children. Thinking that mom can do it alone and be a super mom, the studies show, if I'm just looking at the numbers, it's not enough. Now, I know said I, I did it. My children are fine. And those occasions happen. But overall, if I'm looking at the numbers, if I'm looking at data, it just doesn't work out as well. So we have to seek someone um, or a group of people that serve in that role and and not be so, um, uh, what's the word, prideful that you think you can just do it on your own mm. or that you don't need a male figure there. It is needed. Coaches, mentors, uncles, anything where we can see a positive male, male role model and get them involved in the children's life, that's going to have a positive effect. I, I really believe that uh, women that are in that situation not only need that for the children, but for themselves. They need someone to bounce ideas mm. off of. You know, God created man and he said, man, it's not good that you be alone. Well, if that's not good for the man, it's also not good for the woman. Mm -hmm. It's not good for the mm -hmm. woman to be alone. And God designed us to to work together for the um, for an ultimate uh, picture that he had for the family and and for the outcomes that would would take place. So sometimes pride can get in the way. I can do it on my own. I know that's a, a big push in these in these last days that people think that they can just do it on their own. But we're not designed. The family is not designed to operate at its optimal level by doing it alone. You were talking about homes that do not have fathers there. The, the, the mother or whoever the caregiver is should seek out some type of mentor or coach or some father figure. You've been asked to be mentors to <laughs> families that may not have that male figure in the home. What do you hope to be for that child, seeing that you aren't their natural father? But what is it that you hope to instill in them as you're building that type of mentor relationship? Wow. Uh, well, the same thing I would instill in my own child is that, frankly, I have a goal with my son. I have a goal for my children and those that I mentor. I am a natural father and I am a mentor, but for those that for those children that are under my watch, I have a distinct um, <laughs> opinion that I'm only a temporary father in that place. Mm. I want to lead them to their true father, the heavenly father. Mm. I want them to accept Jesus so that they can be adopted into a family and lead them to an eternal father. Because I'm a temporary one. I'm only here for a while. <laughs> And so they need to be able to connect with a true father. My natural father passed away, uh, but luckily I found the Lord and I depend on him. And before he passed, I was depending on my heavenly father because I knew he was my true father and my natural father was a caregiver <laughs> until I was mature enough to know who my true father mm. is, who my true father is. So um, for any child that I'm mentoring, I'm trying to lead them to their heavenly father. I'm trying to have them honor the things of God and have that be something that they seek after. Part of that is just them watching me. And so as they see me just walking out this life, knowing that there's, there's not an alternative. I'm insufficient on my own. And I know that. And I depend on a father. And I want them to know that they're insu insufficient to do it on their mm. own. I don't care how smart they are, how well adjusted they are. They can't do it on their own and have God's best for them. God wants to partner with them in order to get the best out of them. And so that's part of my mentorship is trying to get the kids connected to their true father. You recognize that you're just the vessel. You're just the vessel that the Lord wants to use for them to see that he is the true father. In your, your personal relationship with the Heavenly Father, what are some things that you ask him to help equip you to be the natural father to your natural son, as well as like a mentor type man in other children's lives? Well, I, well, I, I, you know, I seek the father for wisdom. It might seem cliche-ish, but 
that's a prayer that he honors. <laughs> and so I pray for wisdom. I pray for knowledge. I pray for those things and I find those things coming across my path. Give me an example, like with your... For example, um, I wanted to know before my son was born about social media, TV, um, those things that come into the eye gates and ear gates of of everyone and gets people off track. You know, I heard something, I think it was Steve Jobs. I think he had children. If It's not him, it's, it's someone <laughs> like that. But I think it was Steve Jobs. He had children. Um, he did all this work and looked at all these inventions and he was responsible for a lot of the, those things coming into the into the societal's realm. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want it for his own children, mm. and so he forbid them to have the same devices he was creating. Mm. And so that should tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> and so one of the things that led to me finding some information from a pastor out of Victory Church, and he had a short little podcast series about parenting. And it's years old now, but I occasionally will go back to that. But it was some pieces of advice he gave about social media, TV, and all those things and uh, and having devices. And he did not completely prohibit his kids from using those things because they'll they'll go to school and then they'll get with friends who do partake in those Mm -hmm. things. And he didn't want them to seem like they were aliens compared to their friends and and missing out on something. And so what he did was he allowed them to watch TV on the weekend. But during the week and during the school days, there was no TV, no social media, no devices, none of that. Okay. And then once he did that, when you get to the weekend, there's always weekend activities. So even that time is limited <laughs> because you got church to go to, you got friends, you you got errands to run and they're with you. And so even that is limited. So it greatly limits them, but it doesn't deny them. Mm. And one thing it does is it exposes, when used properly, exposes the mindset of the world versus the mindset that God wants us to, to have and renew ourselves with. So we're still connected, but it's a greater chance we won't be so negatively influenced by that where we discount the things of God. And so there's a balance there, but I'm trying to make the balance more godly than than worldly, but not shield them from the world because our kids need to be able to know how to navigate the world. Yes. And there, there's a, there's this thing that happens. Sometimes it happens with folks that are denied watching any TV or denied watching any type of show. If they're denied everything, then when they go off to college, the enticement from those mm-hmm. things are just exponential. And they end up <laughs> overboard and overloading in worldly things without having the, the knowledge base to know how to navigate those things. And so, yeah, that's one of the, the strategies that came across. And I was asking for wisdom on those things, but I didn't have the, the spiritual and worldly guidance on that. So when I found that pastor and that church that had given that, I was like, OK. And then they were connecting things to the, wor- to the world yeah. um, and connecting it to back to the word of God, which I love. <laughs> so because I know the true wisdom comes through the word of God. Yes. So they were. Sometimes, you know, the word of God is like a puzzle and it's um, you have to find what God wants for you. And you have to find those things in the word. Mm. Some people want it spelled out to them. Um, We live in somewhat of a lazy society. They want microwave faith. (laughs) 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 But it's more it's more of a puzzle. It's um, it's not written in a east in a Western standpoint. A Western standpoint of writing and thinking is linear, mm. fact by fact by fact. But the Bible isn't written that way. It's more thematic. It's more, um, it's it's written in a, in a manner that causes you to have to look at context and look at um, multiple things at once and being able to discern and put those things together. Mm-hmm. You know, you're reading the Bible and it's giving you history, but it's also telling you what's happening in the spirit at the same time. Mm. 
It's also telling you, um, it's giving you wisdom nuggets, but it's also exposing foolishness. And so, you know, there's a, there's a saying, everything in the Bible is true, truly written, but not everything in the Bible is true. For example, if you have a character in the Bible who is sinful and they make a statement, their statement is not truth, but it was truly stated. Mm. You see the difference? Yes. And so there might be a character in the Bible who said, this is an example in Job, um, from ashes to ashes, from dust to dust. Did God say that or did the character say that? <laughs> you know, so you have to discern and look and really figure out what the Bible is saying. So and as far as social media is concerned, I, I looked in the Bible about worldly things and, and look into the world. And, it, and the Bible says that we should be in the world, but not of it. Yeah. So we can't just put ourselves in a bubble and not expose ourselves to what's going on because we live in this world and God placed us in this world for a purpose. And so we have to know our purpose in the middle of, of mess. We have to figure out how we are to be the light, mm. how we can put things straight in the middle of mess, how we can be the light in the middle of darkness. So he did not come to shield us from the darkness. He called us to go in the darkness and be a light. Mm -hmm. And so for a parent, we have to make sure that we are thinking about our kids being in the world, but having the wisdom and spiritual strength to not be affected by the world and still walk in godliness and righteousness and holiness. That's like the best parenting advice that you can give someone, you know, to turn them to the heart of the father, to build them up, to walk with wisdom, you know, from the word of God. You got that. I mean, that's that's most of the battle. Right. And then things yes, will fall into place now over shielding them from the world. Like you said, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're called to be a people set a apart. So that's, that's really good. I know that's what we do in our household and um, <laughs> it is working. It is working. I love that because what you shared is how we truly build our home. I mean, we have that limited electronic time for our child. And, you know, we see the fruit of that. You know, we're able to really spend more time as a family. Like you said, we're able to dive into the word of God during the weekday, you know, focusing on those things that he's called us to do or more family time. And, you know, just really building a community within our home and not living in this separate life. Um, or, you know, this person's in their room and um, the mom's in the room, dad's in the room, the kid is in their room, and then we're not together building a life together. So that's really mm. good. I love it because we have a testimony that we can share. You know, we just recently went to a family wedding and um, <laughs> <laughs> there was so much going on. You could tell, you could see the difference between kids who were raised in a home with both parents versus kids that were raised in a single parent home. And now don't wow. get us wrong. We're not saying that it can't be done in a single parent home because I came out of a single parent home and I believe it was done well to the best that my mom could do. But you could just see that in action. We were we came away as proud parents because our kid, he obeyed the instructions. He there was so much light that he carried and people were talking about it for days. I mean, we didn't go there expecting people to talk about him. You know, we just, we went there, you know, hoping that what we were building in the home, the wisdom that God was giving us, the biblical principles that we are living by, the values that we stand for, we were hoping that our kid had got some of that and that it, ref it was reflected in his behavior there. And it was, I mean, we got so many people coming to us, telling us the light that he carried. And so it, it, it's, it's, it's such an honor to witness that, to see, okay, Phew, we're not doing so bad. Mm -hmm. That's powerful what you shared. Thank you. Okay, so you have all this wisdom about mm -hmm. being a father and how to properly operate from that heavenly place and using the word of God as a foundation to guide you. Tell me about your journey into becoming a father. I know that even before we got married, you've been dreaming a long time about being a father. Tell us about that journey. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up in a family that was very close, um, as you well know. Yes. <laughs> we like to family gatherings yes. and contacting each other. And 
but I grew up as an only child, even though I have a brother. I had, he was a half brother, so he stayed with his mom, but we were still close. But I grew up as an only child, and I always wanted a sibling who lived with me. In addition to that, I just saw myself as a father, as a young child. I was like, I, I want to continue on this family. And it, it was just something that, um, you know, I saw it in my own household. So I figured this, this has got to be me too. And so I just saw myself as a father in a family. Um, and then when I got into my professional career later on, I got into teaching. I started teaching right out of, out of college and uh, was teaching and I could see kids and families that were doing it right. And those that were doing it wrong, I, I, I was on the front lines. And, you know, the parents don't they don't send the bad kids to school uh, because uh, they wanted to or that they were trying to. They sent us the best they they had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when, when you when you are looking at that from that perspective, I'm, I'm getting these kids in directly from the parents and I'm with them, you know, six, seven hours out of the day. They're with me and I'm I'm watching them manifest what they have learned at home. Mm-hmm. And I just, in my mind, I was like, I know what pitfalls that, that will create <laughs> a little hellion <laughs> versus, versus someone who's, um, you know, acting in a proper way, who takes responsibility, who, uh, you know, there's a group of uh, kids that the teachers just love. Well, who are these kids? And when these kids came from two parent homes, often these parents, these parents believed in God. Often they had a faith. These were the, these were the kids that the teachers loved to have in their class. And then, you know, as a teacher, I also had to deal with the parents directly because, you know, if something's going on, you got to call them. Mm-hmm. I would call them just because I, <laughs> I, I, I call and make good for good calls like thank you for raising your child right (laughs) (laughs) so i you know so i interacted with the parents as well so when you interact with the parents a lot of times the issue that you have with the child is evident on the phone Mm. it's evident when they come in for the teacher conference it's like oh that's why Johnny's acting that way. <laughs> Johnny Sr. is acting that yeah. way or if mommy is acting that way. You know, you you see the reason, you see the uh, that the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I always had that experience and knew that if I had a kid, there were some things that I knew I could do right. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the tail end of my teaching uh, career, I met a young lady. We ended up getting married. And we discussed having kids and and that was all on the table. But I later found out um, just through little comments here and there that we were not on the same page. She was like, this world is evil. I don't want to bring kids up in a, in a world like this. So we were not on the same page there. After a few years, I figured maybe there's something physical going on. So we went and we got things tested out and I addressed the issues with whatever her issues were remained vague and we ended up not having children. Now, uh, prior to us getting married, um, I was, I was very much in the world. (laughs) I was very much of the world. I grew up in the church, but I got away from it. And then there was a time about midway through that. Actually, when I got married, I started seeking God out because of my past issues and my past indiscretions. I was like, I don't know if I can stay married and stay faithful. So I started seeking God. And so midway through there, I had a an epiphany uh, about holiness and righteousness. Uh, we had moved from the D.C. area down to Atlanta, and I got in the word-based church. And I heard a message on marriage and, and honor and integrity, and it hit me in the heart. And I did a 180 in that area. And so after that time, I was really um, trusting in the Lord, Mm. even in the middle of a marriage that was eh. (laughs) not going the way I had pictured. At a certain point in that marriage, uh, it was evident we were going to separate. So that that happened. And during that time, 
almost resigned to the fact that I was not going to have children. When someone would ask, I would say, it just hasn't happened yet. And how many years had this had gone by? Whoa, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve. Wow. Uh, Twelve. And then um, then separated for more because that was 12 while we were still in a so-called loving relationship, but then separated for three and a half to four years. When we separated, that desire to be a father again slowly really came back. It really flooded back because just thinking about if this relationship ends and I have to start over again, there's a chance that I can be a father. Mm. I had messed up <laughs> all my relationships. I don't, I don't know if it was any of them that I was completely doing it God's way <laughs> or doing anything God's way. But I was determined um, to do things God's way if, I, if, if the Lord would allow me to. And so I consecrated myself. I didn't even flirt with women. I'd run the opposite way if I even thought I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> so I was determined to do things God's way. I was determined to make sure that I was walking the way that God wanted me to walk so I could get his results and not my yes. own. My results stunk. <laughs> they were terrible. So I needed God's results. And so I was really trusting in God. And then lo and behold, I met the woman of my dreams. <laughs> It took her a minute to find out. <laughs> Don't tell them all the secrets. But, but once she found out, it was on and yes. popping. And so, um, yeah, the Lord restored all of those things I had in my heart. Amen. All those things about a family and having kids was restored. It was brought back to life. And yes, we had have a wonderful son. I'm believing the Lord for more, yes. but even if he doesn't, he's blessed me beyond measure. So um, I'm staying uh, connected to him for the rest of my life because his results turn out wonderfully. <laughs> and so, yes, that's the Lord brought me back to the desires of my heart because I put him first. Amen. So that scripture about if you put God first, he'll bring you the desires of your heart or he'll, he'll make sure your needs are met or your prayers are met. And he definitely did that when I put him first. I wasn't even doing anything directly to try to meet my needs. I was trying to make my daddy smile, mm. <laughs> my heavenly father smile. Mm. And so because I was trying to make him smile, he made me smile. <laughs> yes, he did. So that, was the, that was the convoluted way to me having a kid and having a son uh, of my own. It's a late start, but it's a great start, mm. you know, so I'm I'm older than most of my peers. You know, I got God children that are adults now and having kids <laughs> and I'm like, like I should have been had some kids. But you a great God parent. <laughs> yes, indeed. But this is the path that I'm that I'm on. Um, sometimes it takes a, a, a longer road for those, especially those that have a calling. Mm -hmm. And I know I have a calling. And so there were some things that I just had to, you know, bump my head against because God was not going to allow me to, to mess it up. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was my journey to having, having my own child and my journey to fatherhood. Yes. So as you stated, it was a long journey, many, many years before you got to the dream realized. So when you look at your son, Tell me about those emotions. What do you get inside? Sometimes when you're reflecting, you're watching him play around or, you know, do those things that you did as a kid or things you didn't do as a kid. What is that emotion you get inside? Well, you know, you know, when I was going through that long period and not having kids and wanting them, um, when people had kids, I just I just was hoping that they understood the gift that they had. Mm -hmm. And that they weren't taking their kid for granted. And when I saw people taking their kid for granted, you know, it just, it irked me a little bit. <laughs> and so I remembered having those feelings. So when my own son came, I was more apt to treasure him mm -hmm. and not treat him as happenstance or a mistake. I know he's not a mistake. He's a blessing. And so I, I try to make sure I keep that at the forefront of my mind. This is 
This is God's gift to you. <laughs> and so treat him as such and value him as such. So I don't know if I, I'm not an overly emotional person, so I'm not sure which feeling. Of course, I, I'm proud to have a kid. I'm, I'm happy to have a kid. But um, a lot of it is more of um, not wanting to mess up what God has placed in my hands. Mm, that's good. I know he's not mine. I know that this child that I'm raising is the father's, my heavenly father's. And I need to raise him in such a way that he will, when he's ready, accept the father and walk with his true heavenly father. And so I, I realize I'm a caretaker. I realize my child, although I have responsibility for him, he's not mine. He belongs to the Lord. Mm. The Lord waited till I was mature enough to have a kid that I could dedicate to him. <laughs> and so this is my son is dedicated to the Lord. I, um, you know, he has his own free will as every person does. And I know he's going to choose what he's going to choose, but I'm going to make sure he knows, um, that there is a heavenly father, that there is a God and that he has a choice to make. And I hope that I'm going to show him that this way is better than that yes. way. <laughs> Cause I want him to, you know, all of us are, um, the true us are spirits. Mm -hmm. We live in a world-born body. We possess a soul, which includes our minds and our emotion and our, and our um, attitudes and our personality. But the true self is a spirit. And so I provided the physical material for my son to be born, but I did not provide the spirit. That came from above. Mm -hmm. But he has to make a decision with his soul, with his mind, will, and emotions to accept that spirit that came from God as godly, or he's going to do his own thing and that soul will go where other souls go that are disconnected from the mm -hmm. father. And so I want to make that eternal decision because if he does, not if, when he does, right. <laughs> I will know my son here, but I'll know him in eternity as well. Mm. And so I'm, I'm his parent on earth. But I'm hoping to be his brother and friend in heaven. Eh. And so, yeah, that's that's part of my thinking as I'm raising him is that I don't need to be his friend right now. I need to be his father and raise him accordingly. That doesn't mean I'm harsh with him. It just means that I'm not concerned with acquiescing to his every whim. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. <laughs> I have a duty to guide him and discipline him because if I do it properly, He's going to choose the father and I'll gain a brother. Mm. You know, the fact that you're thinking about this, the kid is only four, but you're <laughs> already invested into his eternity. <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, yes, I, I indeed. want to say that because I know people are probably thinking, well, how old is this kid? He's four, four. years old. <laughs> and this is what I'm talking about when I say earlier that you're very meticulous. You're very intentional about life and being a father and being what a godly father is. And you are displaying that, you know, by what you're sharing with us, which is so good. So I want to ask you in your quest to make sure that he finds the father, his true heavenly father. Can you tell us about a mistake you feel like you've made as a father hmm. that you like? Ooh. Mm. Wow. Luckily, he's four, so I don't have a whole new lot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I guess something that you wish you um, could have started, maybe something you you realized growing up that your father didn't do, that you're like, well, I don't want to repeat that same mistake um, if you don't have one now. You know, yeah. Um, my father did not really raise me spiritually. Mm -hmm. My mom was the 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 spiritual one in the house. Now, my father believed in God, and I know at the end of his life, he, had, he was uh, headed towards heaven. But I'm not sure how many rewards he built up, because we know that we, when we accept Jesus, we, we have a ticket to heaven. Yes. And the habitual sins that he had, he dealt with those sins and was, um, you know, making progress and really maturing in the things of God before he passed. But he was not, for most of my 
uh, upbringing was not spiritually mature. And in fact, by the time I rededicated myself, when I rededicated myself, I found myself being a parent to him in, in a measure of ways. Mm. I found myself being more, more spiritually mature than him, even though he was more exponentially <laughs> mature than me. You know, he was older. He had he had worldly wisdom galore, but not the spiritual maturity. Mm. And so I kind of pushed him in that respect and um, became a mentor, <laughs> if you will, to him or a big brother spiritually, even though I was the younger son naturally. That's interesting. If that makes sense. And so that was, I think it was a mistake on his part. But it wasn't one that was made maliciously. It just, you can only give what you have. Yeah. Had my father been spiritually mature younger, I think that would have affected me to be spiritually mature younger. Mm. And so I had to bump my head a lot, <laughs> a whole lot, because I wasn't honoring the things of God and I wasn't certainly taking his word as the paradigm for I, how I need to behave and interact with this world. I was too much in the world and of the world at the same time mm. and not separating that and, and making that distinction. And so for my own son, I think that that's one thing that he'll get is that there is a distinct difference um, between age and maturity. And so they're very young people who are mature in the things of God, who are older that a lot of old folks who have been in the church for years, but haven't matured. Yeah. And so I want him to be very mature in the spirit, not bypass his childhood and meaning he can't play and enjoy his house. I want him to enjoy his, his childhood and take advantage of the youth that he has. But I want him to be spiritually mature at a very early age, because that's going to help him not make the mistakes that I did and maybe his mama did. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's one of the things. And then, you know, as far as a mistake that I made, because I have that focus on making sure that he's that his character exceeds everything. Mm. I'm more concerned with his character than academics, than him getting a job. I want his character to be on point. I'd rather him have good character and be homeless. <laughs> To have bad character and be a millionaire. Mm. I, I really, I really mean that. I'm more concerned with his character. So when he displays bad character, there have been times when I've been a little harsh. And then after those times, I was like, was I too harsh? And I, I would go and pray to make sure I wasn't being too harsh. Mm. So sometimes that works in my favor because I'm making sure that I'm not being too harsh. But sometimes that hesitation allows for foolishness to go on longer than it should, <laughs> and which can also be a mistake. So I, I am uh, fully aware that my parenting um, needs to have supplemental support <laughs> from the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Ghost to raise my child. I don't I don't need to depend on my intellect. Mm. Uh, it, it is wholly insufficient. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. And so when I think I've made a mistake, I do run to the Father, my Heavenly Father, and ask, what do I need to do? And there have been times, even when he was two and three, I would go to my son and apologize for something I did or said. Wow. Or the way I spoke to him. Now, That's huge. <laughs> Um, so I am, I'm trying to be very humble in that respect and not come off as a know-it-all, but I know my father knows it all. I know my heavenly father knows it all. So when I know I've heard a word from him or I get a word from the word, the Bible about what I'm supposed to do, I'm on it. But if there was some gray area, that's where I need the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit to help it. mm, mm. This is good. You talked about character and you're you're big on that over academics, sports, whatever. <laughs> Why character is so important to you? Well, part of character, 
your character is a reflection of your soul. Mm. God does the job. When you accept Jesus, God does the job of renewing your spirit. That's his job. But the job of renewing your mind is our job. <laughs> so we are responsible for our own character. God is responsible for changing the real us. And we have to make sure our mind catches up with that and is aligned to our true spirit as a as a believer. Mm. And so I am focused on him being able to control his character at a very early age and not be controlled by his fleshly self, that body that the scripture says that the body wars against the spirit. And so I got a spirit over here. I got a body that's warring against it and caught in the middle is your soul. Mm. <laughs> and your soul in the middle is going to determine which way you go. If your soul and your mind is set on pleasing the flesh, it's going to override what the spirit should be doing. Mm. But if your mind is aligned to the father, then no matter what's going on, your body has to submit to that. Mm. In the Greek, the word body is slave. And so that body has tasted freedom before you take before you accepted Jesus. Yes. And it loves its freedom. Yes. It doesn't want to give up its freedom. It doesn't want to be put under. But the word said we should put our body under. <laughs> and so if I can get him with good character early to make a decision for Christ early, he's going to be leaning towards that spirit. Mm. And the whims of the flesh won't rule him. Transparency, my mistakes in life were when I was ruled by the flesh. <laughs> right. The biggest mistakes was me following the flesh and not following the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so if I can get him here closer to God, then the flesh can be what it's supposed to be, a slave. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned about character because character is a part of one's heart. And what does the word say about that? The issues of life are in the Art, heart. Yes. Proverbs 4. Yes. Right? And so if I can get him to positively affect his heart, the issues of life will be godly if he's close to God. But if I don't, the issues of life will be controlled by a slave that is warring against the spirit. Mm. The flesh wants to die. The flesh wants to eat too much. It wants to have sex outside of a marriage context. It wants to smoke weed. <laughs> it wants to do drugs. <laughs> the flesh wants to kill itself. It's trying to kill you. It doesn't want to eat vegetables. <laughs> it wants to eat everything fried. <laughs> and then put some sugar on top of that. Yeah, That's what the flesh wants. The flesh has nothing good for us. The flesh is wicked. It's born in this world. The flesh is born of this world, which it was corrupted when Adam fell. So everything the flesh wants to do has been corrupted and is wicked. So why would I follow that? Mm. Everything in this world is passing away, partially because sin came into the world. The consequence of sin is death. The flesh is born in sin, so it wants to die. Death is its home. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, want him, I don't want him making decisions based on the flesh going home. I want him to make decisions based on an eternal father that has life forevermore. This is heavy. <laughs> this is deep for a four-year-old, so but I know you <laughs> and I, I know you talked about got to start early. So for those parents out there that are raising children, a girl, a boy, both at the same time, it's never too late to start. But the earlier you start, the better you can set that foundation and build upon it. And so that's what you see we're doing in our home. That's what you see what Eric is doing with his son. This is powerful. You are a parent, so you walk in that hat. You're my husband, so you carry that hat. And you mentioned earlier that you have a background in teaching. I know that's what you did in the classroom or in, you know, the natural way, but you're also walking in the gift as a teacher. You're also a minister of the gospel. You're one of the ministers at your church. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. The word says that God chose us. Those who have accepted Christ, God chose us. And so sometimes we make the decision to follow Jesus and we think it's our own decision. 
But part of that is God has has orchestrated the details and the circumstances in your life in such a way that you would make that decision. And doesn't this is not um, predetermination. This is not a not that thought because we all have a free will. But God is so infinitely knowledgeable about what's going to happen. He knows the decision we're going to make. And so because he chose us, he chose us for a reason. And so when he chose me, he chose me for a reason. Early on, when after my rededication, I was um, in fasting and in prayer asking that question, why did you choose me? Mm. Why me for salvation? What do you want me to do? What's my role? And, and during that period, he revealed to me in an audible voice. Now, I know this sounds spooky to some people, but there are occasions where God will speak to you in an audible voice. And he said, you're a teacher. Now, I had already been teaching for almost a, <laughs> a dozen years or so, or, or been in education. Um, so it should have been very evident, but it wasn't. Mm. As you might know, uh, a teacher is part of the fivefold ministry. Not everyone is called to the fivefold ministry. Not everyone is called, but he did call me. And he told me with an audible voice, so I don't doubt it. <laughs> and so um, I find when I'm teaching, sometimes there's a gift that kicks on. And I saw it in the classroom because I really did not want to leave the classroom. Mm. I was content there, but people kind of forced me out and was like, you can make more money in administration. And so I've, I've gone through various roles in education. Um, but my favorite job was being a classroom teacher. I hated grading papers, but I loved <laughs> being in front of the class teaching. And so that led me, once God told me that I was a teacher, then that affects how you act in the world. Because now if I'm a teacher, then what should I be doing? Mm. Who should I be teaching? What should I be teaching? All of those are questions that wisdom will teach you. And then over the years, opportunities for that came up. And so when the opportunity came to be a part of my current church, Lionheart Church International, a part of the staff there, it wasn't like, wow, they think I'm a minister. I was like, oh, they recognize what God already told me. Mm. So it wasn't a question of whether I was going to say yes or no. I already knew I was supposed to be a part of <laughs> this ministry, a minister and be a part of the ministerial staff. I already knew it. And so uh, that led to me teaching. And I've been teaching at, at the Lionheart for a while and uh, spiritual growth classes. And I've had opportunities uh, with that organization, uh, that church and others to uh, teach dreams and vision, spiritual growth, gifts of the spirit. Um, start a, a work day Bible study. Uh, <laughs> and so I've been teaching and occasionally, occasionally they'll let me even say a sermon or two. <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> and I've been invited to other churches to speak. I've spoken at a youth conference and, and uh, been uh, baptizing and getting people filled with the spirit. Yes. And, getting people wet. <laughs> uh, so I've been working and doing all of those different things in ministry. And also um, really um, this past year been focused on going to the next level as far as that's concerned, because I believe time is short. Now, if I'm wrong, whatever, I still want to be doing what the father told me until my last breath or I'm taken away, yes, yes. <laughs> whatever it is, I'm stuck with the father. And um, so, but I want to ramp up what I'm doing. So in the upcoming days, months, year, um, I'll be ramping up some of those things. Even, even as we speak, I'm working on things uh, behind the scenes to try to make sure that um, the reason he called me comes to pass, because I think there's more. Mm. Uh, I believe there's more and I'm just trying to be led by him, but not just waiting around uh, for someone to say, OK, you're you're blessed to go. But making an effort on my own to do what God has told me to do and use what he's put in yes. me because I got a lot in me. You do. You do. <laughs> it is uh, that I don't want to just lay dormant. Yes. Uh, when someone could use it. He, the father said he gives us the keys to the kingdom. And so I don't want to just use that key to unlock the kingdom for myself. 
I want to be able to use those keys, plural, for other people. They need need to have access to um, the great I am. That's right, because that is the goal, to use the gifts the Father gave us to reach others so they can use their gifts. And the cycle continues on to build his kingdom. Man, this is so good. So what can we expect from Eric for 2024? Uh, Anything you want to share with us? I know you're still kind (laughs) of working on some things behind the scene, but can you share just one little thing we can expect from you this year? Well, I will be increasing my presence on social media. Okay. I've shied away from it. Yeah, it's like a cesspool, but I'm jumping <laughs> in, trying to be <laughs> the light in the midst of darkness. Yes. So I'll be increasing that, um, so folks can probably find me on Facebook at uh, Eric McGee Media, YouTube on Eric McGee Media, and and more to come more to come, maybe some writing, maybe some websites, maybe some more podcasts and things like that. So there's, there's more to come. There's more to come. Okay. So just to, to recap again, we can find you on social media platforms. You said Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Eric McGee media. That's your handle. Okay. So we expect to see more of an online presence, more of you sharing your wisdom, your wealth of wisdom is such a well that this time we had here doesn't even do it justice because you have <laughs> such a deep well or a deep reservoir of wisdom that the Father has uh, blessed you with. And I get the honor to have it every day. I mean, there's something I'm learning from you every day and I'm just so blessed by it. It, it, it really elevates my perspective and enriches my mindset to do more. And so thank you for all that you shared today about parenting, father's perspective, letting the world inside our lives a little bit. I allowed you to run the show um, and you ran it well. So thank you for your time today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me on your lovely show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Voice Must Be Heard podcast. I hope the story you heard inspired and motivated you to take action for transformation in some aspect of your life. I would love it if you sent an email with questions, share your enlightening moment or profound wisdom you may have. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Your Voice Must Be Heard podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. See you in the next episode. Bye.